G'day and welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live, right here on Faith FM. G'day, good afternoon, welcome, welcome to our program wherever you might be in Australia. We are glad you are here. You're with the Aussie pastor on the other end of the microphone is... Hunty, I'm also very glad you've joined us this afternoon. The techie. That's it, I'm the tech. Yeah, yeah, glad to have you yep. here today, mate. Two programs to go and you're on, we're on, we're both on holidays. Two programs. Yeah, today yep. and next week. Woohoo! Yeah, and then we've got a, a special program on the Christmas Eve this year, which is on the Sabbath at New Hope. Mm, and we then, do. Yeah, then we are just off hunties to the beach. Four weeks lying on the beach, living it up, <laughs> watching the cricket, uh, enjoying it. You are going to go to the beach somewhere, aren't you? I am, actually. I'm going to head north. Yeah. I think. I'll be heading north too. I am. Um, my wife and I have this great tradition on our holidays where we don't plan, we don't have any idea what we're doing. We drive out of the driveway and we say, right, right to Queensland or left to Victoria. I actually know you're going to Queensland this time. Because we haven't decided. Uh, this is the first time, I was going to say viewers, listeners. <laughs> listeners. <laughs> this is the first time I know that he's got some plans percolating in his mind. You are thinking... I might be volunteering at... The summer camps at Genderbine. Really? Yes, and I might be going south. Doing what? Just sound and maybe drive the ski boat. I'm going to go to Genderbine. I might see you there. Nah, it'll be toward the end of the holidays, toward the end of January when the crowds are gone. You know why I go there? What's that? I go up there. I know it's hard to believe, but I go up there hiking. Oh, I do, and this time I'll be taking my mountain bike because I you, you helped me go and buy a a, mount, a mountain bike car carrier. That's an awesome car carrier, it is bike a good, carrier. Yeah, mm. it, it is. Um, although the guys put the tow bar on who I bought the carrier from and bent my bumper bar and took no responsibility for it. Yeah, not that's a bit sad. Not allowed to expose them on radio. Well, we are, but we wouldn't. We wouldn't. We we could, but we won't. <laughs> yeah, but it's very it's very disappointing actually. Though, yes, because you pay a lot of money to get a tow bar on, and they wreck your bumper bar. And mm. then I'm, I've got a fairly new car, only a year or two old, and mm. they try to make out, oh, it was like that when it came in. We actually had film. Remember that when we coming back? Yeah, from, we had tons of photos of it not. Yes, misaligned. But I decided not to carry on. But sometime or another, I'm going to have to go to a panel beater and get that fixed. Right. Oh, I'm a bit scared of how much it's going to cost. But anyway, look, we're, wherever you are in Australia, we're glad you're here. We Sydney, are glad you're here. Right here now, we're in a real hot, beautiful, blazing 30-plus degree day. It feels like summer outside. It's nice and air-conditioned in here, and we've got a great program coming up. Hunty, what is happening? Well, we've got um, a regular guest. We've got Harold. His story today on a guy called Siska, and I think I said that right, is one of the most interesting and I didn't know it. I think this is the first time, and I'll mention this to him too, that I didn't know the story he's sharing. And? Wait, before oh, you go on. The handbrake's digging in again. This guy <laughs> is a warrior. Yes. One of the greatest warriors in Middle Eastern time. Never lost a battle. Wow. But he was also a follower of God. And it's a good story. Yeah, go on. Mate. Sorry, mate. I didn't mean to catch you up. So I, we've got yeah, a actually, very... You did. You did. True. True. <laughs> that I did. <laughs> we've got some really interesting segments on the Sabbath. There are some things which will astound you this afternoon. Yeah, we talk... Because we're Adventists, Seventh-day Adventists, we talk about the Sabbath a lot. We do. We're going to come at it from a different angle and Mm -hmm. a very refreshing angle as we talk to... Well, we don't talk to them. We hear from some people who are actually not Seventh-day Adventists who are... 
keeping brand new. Yes, Sabbath. I call them celebrators rather than okay Sabbath. So yeah, that's going to be good. Going to enjoy that. Hey, this day. I was careful again. Now, what uh, date have you got today, mate? <laughs> December 13th. Uh, I, I'm, I've got a bit paranoid about that. A bit shell-shocked. Those who, of, of your listeners who don't know, a few weeks ago I brought the wrong date on. And, and boy, did I enjoy that. Yeah, and I just kept going anyway, didn't I? You remember that? Didn't For, stop? Four days out, you were. Uh, today, 1545, December 13, 1545, the Council of Trent began in 1545. Do you have any idea what that is? Yes. Ecumenical Council. Within the Catholic Church, discussing theology, Martin Luther was around in these days, mm-hmm. went from 1545, this is a long council, to 1563. Wow. I oh, know, 17 years. Wow. They almost, interesting in this council, when they're talking theology and doctrine and belief and Bible and all that stuff, the Catholic Church in this council almost went Protestant. Mm. I remember that. Very interesting. We might get Harold on to talk about that one day. In 1623, I found this really interesting, and this is a big day, December 13 for justice. Because in 1623, for the first time that I know of, in the history of the world, trial by jury, 12 jurors started in the United States of America. Mm. That's so big, cool. It is a big deal. To be, to be tried by your peers. Mm. Uh, it's, it, it's an American thing. That was taken on, well, as far as I know, by Australians and the British, and someone might want to correct me out there. 1642, December 13, 1642, Abel Tasman. Ripped down Australia? Not far away. He was the first European to sight New Zealand. Ah, okay. Oh, God bless all those Kiwis out there. Uh, 1939 was the Battle of the River Plate. The reason that's interesting is because that's the first naval war of World War Two. Naval war. Naval fight between the Germans and the British, and the Kiwis were in it too, in their battleship called the Achilles. You know when the River Plate battle happened? No Off idea. the coast of South America. Hmm. And they ended up trapping a German pocket battleship, the Graf Spree, the British and the Kiwis, and the captain of the Graf Spree actually in the end scuttled her. And that was a great victory for the British in what was called the Phony War before they really got going in World War Two, And it was the first major naval action of that war. Uh, 2003, Saddam Hussein was captured in that hole on December 13. Three years later, they executed him, captured by some American soldiers in Iraq. And in 2007, the Treaty of Lisbon, do you know anything about that? No, not, not at all, but it's a no. really important one. This is a treaty that set, it up, set up the constitution for the European Union. So not a huge day. There were a couple of birthdays. 1929, Christopher Plummer, you like him? Mm, don't know, really. He's an actor. Yes. Sound of music. So for me, he's a legend. He died a few years ago. Oh, Sound that, of Music. That he, guy. He's the father. Yes. Oh, now I know him. Yeah, Christopher yep. Plummer. And this one will mean a lot for you because you're a bit of a teeny bopper. It's, uh, <laughs> that was his birthday, of course, born in 1929. And Taylor Swift, she was born this day, 1989. Do you know who she is? I know who she is. I yes. don't need to tell you about her. No. She's, a, she's kind of a, a sensation to my little teen girls when they were little teen girls. They just loved. They did. I remember that. Taylor Swift. And this one. Bit sad for me. In 2016, on this day, Alan Thick. Waiting for Hunty. Yeah, I know the name. From Growing Pains. Oh, that That's guy. a series yep. that we grew up with on television. Kind of a really nice family series. 
and Graham Thicke died, he actually was playing ice hockey with his son and he had a tear in his aorta. Does that make sense? It happens. Yeah, yeah, mm. very serious. And so that's our day, December 13, nine, well, I was going to say 19, <laughs> two, 2022. Love it. Do, do we have to age ourselves all the time? <laughs> it happens. <laughs> Welcome to the program. And, and like we always do, because it's interesting to have a little start here where we look at the world and what happened on this day, etc., etc. But really what this program is about is getting a little glimpse of Jesus. Mm. And he is fabulous. And I I want to ask Hunty to start with a prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come humbly before you again this afternoon. Lord, we pray, especially for all of our listeners, Lord, that you'll bless them. I also pray for my mate Lloyd as he opens the Bible this afternoon and shares some amazing facts about the Sabbath. So Lord, we're here to hold you high in our community. We pray you'll bless our listeners and our program this afternoon. We pray in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. I just came to praise the Lord Shane McConnell, one of my favourite songs. Christmas time, hunty, and I think it's as good a time as any to praise the Lord. For sure. You know, there's only two times a year where Aussies, I'm talking about normal, general, you know, secular Aussies who aren't really into church, yep. will even consider Jesus Christ, maybe on an outside chance come to church. Yep. 
Easter, Easter and, and Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. Hey, are we doing anything at our church? We sure are. We have a ripper of a program planned for December twenty-four. In fact, we're practicing for it this Saturday. Yep, afternoon. Are. We are. Uh, it's going to be Christmas carols. Our kids are going to be up the front. So if you're in Northwest Sydney, mm. eleven o'clock. Well, it's five past eleven, but let's say eleven o'clock at our church at New Hope in Quakers Hill, which is Northwest Sydney, and you never come to church. This is a special invitation. Well. Come along. Come anytime. Come yeah. But come along whether you come to church or not. But if you don't come to church, why don't you try and come along and check New Hope out? On, it's our Christmas yeah, Eve. Yeah, just enjoy our carol it's service. It's our Christmas Eve carol service. Starts at 11 o'clock on the Saturday, December 24th. And don't that's you, before lunch at 11 o'clock, not midnight. Lo- <laughs> yeah, don't you? Yeah, it's not a midnight. <laughs> not a midnight mass. <laughs> well, we don't do mass. True. So not a midnight mass. Um, don't you love it when Christmas Eve works out like this? It's nice. Yeah, it works really good. And if, if, you, if you do come, stay for lunch. We've got a fellowship lunch. Don't bring any food. Just bring yourself and we'll feed you. Uh, beautiful vegetarian lunch. Hunty, what's our address again? Two, Samuel Place, Quaker's Hill, just behind the alley. Now, don't let uh, Lloyd confuse you. Our normal start time is 10 o'clock. But this special program we're inviting you to, come at 11. Well, just by you... Saying 10 o'clock probably going to start to confuse people. I did my best. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you had to say 10 o'clock. <laughs> it was, fun. It was fun correcting you. That's why I said 11 o'clock. <laughs> well, it does. What time does it start? Let's let's just go over this for our listeners. 11 o'clock. Start? Saturday, 24th Saturday. of December. It'll be a Christmas program. So, you will be blessed. So who's confusing who? <laughs> <laughs> um Elon Musk was booed off the stage yesterday in San Francisco. He's the new owner of Twitter. He is the founder of Tesla. I guess he's a major shareholder of Tesla. He was the founder of PayPal as well. Did you know that? Yeah, I did. Hmm. Well, I didn't. Look, I knew I, I knew it's one of those things that he, he did. He's a very smart man. Sure is. So here he is in San Francisco. Really, I lived in San Francisco for a while. Well, just outside of San Francisco, I uh, went to college at a place called Pacific Union College up in Napa. Have you ever been up there? Huh? I have. It's very nice. Very, very nice, man. Mm. We should go up there again one day and we're over there filming. I've got a few stories out of there. Had cool. a great time. So I know San Francisco pretty well, and it's not a conservative place. It's what you'd call a more left-of-centre liberal place. And somewhere, somehow, the left-wing crowd have got this idea that Elon Musk is against them, is with Trump and on the right. Now, look, I don't get into the politics of it. I actually thought it was funny. He was at a Dave Chappelle, who was a, a comedian I don't listen to. He's... he's He's off colour for sure. And I know that because I've seen a couple of his clips on, on YouTube. But he was at a Chappelle concert. Chappelle. Dave Chappelle. Is that how you say it? Indeed. So when I say Chappelle, that's wrong. I just thought I'd help. Yeah, thank you, mate. You're welcome. Well, that's proof I don't listen to this <laughs> yeah, stuff. Yeah, true. I never do. But he got called up on stage and he got booed off. Oh, dear. <laughs> I suppose he'll he'll survive that. But it just goes to show, again, the fracture that is in our that's increasingly evident in our culture. I mean, just, yeah, Western culture between the right and the left. He, he's in trouble at the moment because he's trying to bring some accountability to Twitter. So he's saying, you know what, let's register everybody so we don't have all these computer bots and people trying to sway the elections. So let's register everybody. And now the freedom of speech people are against him because they're saying, oh, that's not fair. I don't think that's what they're really going off at, though. Oh. I think they're going off about the fact that He's exposing Twitter's problem with censorship 
under previous management. And so what he's doing is he's showing how Twitter actually was actively censoring some of the leaders of, again, this right mm. part. Look, they censored mm. the President of the United States at the time, Donald Trump. Um, and so he's exposing that and they don't like Well, I think they don't like the fact he's asking them to register because people are saying, well, where does it end? We have to register to get on the internet? I'm shaking my head here. Yeah, okay. I don't think that's it. <laughs> okay, very I, good. I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> you can't expect us to agree no, to it, mate. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I mean, I'm sure that's part of it, but I think primarily it's because he he's definitely unwrapping what was happening before mm. he came on mm. um, with the left and the right. And I'm, I, I actually don't go with the left or the right because I preach and teach, and I know you're exactly the same, Hunty. We advance another kingdom, mm-hmm. and that's the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Correct. But it's still disconcerting when you see... And this is just a pretty much what a... This is a very low-grade example of what's going on in the United States of America because there are some people over there calling for civil war Yeah, between the left and the right. Mm-hmm. And this is crazy stuff. And it seems to me, you know, they call the American democracy, it's called the American experiment. Did you know that? Yes, it is. Yes. Now, some people are saying now that the American experiment is broken because this fracture between the right and left, it threatens even the democracy itself where, where especially those on the right are constantly calling out the electoral authorities in the United States of America as being crooked, corrupt and putting in who they want. Now, that's a very dangerous position to take, Hunty. Um, and what is the future of America? Well, I think if people live there, they need to start looking up because their hope is Jesus. What about this mm. one? Very sad, mate. Police die in a shootout mm. in my home state of Queensland, just outside of Brisbane, a couple of hours, actually. Did you look at that? I like, it really affects me because my son's a cop and so is my son-in-law. So it's kind of when those sorts of things happen... They shakes It shakes my wife and I. Yeah. So some of them... I think two of them that were shot. One was 28, mm. boy, man. One was 26, a young woman. I mean, I said to my dad today, when you get to our age, these are babies almost, you know. Yeah, true. And they go out there and, and they perish in a hail of bullets. I mean, you go out on a missing person case, the last thing you're expecting is a gunfight. And apparently they never basically got out of the car before. Mm. There was just gun uh, was bullets, bullets going everywhere. It was a welfare check. Yeah, on a man mm. who'd been missing for a while. And then, what, they chased one girl. They, they, shot, they shot the police dead, two of them, and then they chased another girl into the bush. In fact, three of the police, I think, in the end, ended up dying, and, and a neighbour come across to look at what was going on, and he got shot dead. And then they chased a young girl into the bush, and they actually lit the bush on fire trying to flush her out. She, in the end, had to be extracted by a tactical response group. Mm. Uh, and you think, man, uh, well, to start off with, I never knew we had guns like that out in our society, mate. Mm. I suppose if you're out in the bush, you can get a licence, can you, for a shotgun and a Yeah, a you can. And some of the guns we used to sell in, in this country were quite easy to modify from single shot to repeater. Uh, look, I don't know what the guns were. Mm. You know, I've only ever fired a gun once in my life myself, and that was a shotgun. Huh. Yeah, but I, I've had very little to do with guns, actually. Um, I know you've had a, a bit more. Um, mm. This last story, nuclear fusion breakthrough. Tell us about that. Well, nuclear fusion is the opposite of nuclear fission. 
Um, currently, we're generating electricity around the world by splitting the atom and creating huge tons and tons of toxic and radioactive material. Uh, nuclear fusion is considered the holy grail because it's a similar amount of energy, but no danger. You no, join, rather than splitting the atom, you join you two join atoms two together. Atoms together. In, in the most basic sense, perhaps two hydrogen atoms join together create a lot of heat, for example. And that, does that somehow, yeah, well, through the heat generates electricity. Well, what happens is um, it's, the temperatures they're trying to get are around 200 million degrees, which is wow. the temperature of the centre of the sun. And if they can get these atoms to join, and they're using magnets and lasers, when they get these to join, they do burn at that temperature. And, yeah, to generate electricity, then they make steam and run steam through a how, turbine. How would you... Where would they burn? I, I know that's probably an ignorant question from a guy like me, but... Well, actually, this, the truth uh, is there's, so no, there's no actual burning because at 200 million degrees, there's no liquid, no solid, or gas. It's all plasma. So there's no burning so becomes plasma. In, what sort so those, of, those flames you see coming off the sun are actually plasma. Yeah, but here on Earth... Yes. Or I might be asking... I don't know whether you know this, but where would you put the atoms... Well, to there's, generate there's, that a sort of lot of, there's a lot of private and corporate and uh, government money going into this has been since the 40s or 50s, and there are a lot of places that are set up with uh, laser-powered reactors and magnetic-powered reactors who can deal with these atoms at plasma temperatures. Are you saying you don't really know? Um, the <laughs> longest they've managed to get it, the reaction to go for is about five seconds. Inside what? Inside a specially built reactor. That can take 200 that degrees. That can take plasma at 200 million degrees. Oh, God, it's hard to believe. They're, 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 that's what their dream is. They've currently got on to 30 million. That's what they're up to now, so 30 what, what, million what, degrees. What, what, why is there such a big deal in the papers and in the news I don't know, morning? because the, they've announced a breakthrough, but they haven't told us what, and they're not going to announce it for another day or two. I th- it, weren't they saying that the breakthrough was that for the first time they can actually make power, so it's positive generation, and they've never been able to do that before? That's, that's how I saw it. Let me, let me tell you what most of the scientists are saying that this form of energy is so amazing that approximately 10 litres of seawater and a small amount of matter can generate enough electricity, propulsion, charge batteries for one human being for their entire life. So 10 litres of seawater is all you would need to run your entire life. But what, I'm, but what I'm saying is, isn't the breakthrough that all of a sudden it's generating positive power and they've never been able to do that few fusion? I I did some research on it, and I couldn't find any proof of anything. I think that's what they're claiming, though. But they haven't actually released that. That's another day or two before they actually release what they're up to. So, basically, that's a non-event news. Well, I'm thinking it's a non-event, but they're still talking about 2035 before we have commercial power generation from nuclear fusion. You're going to make me go back and look at that article now. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-oh. Anyway, this is I've, I've complicated it. Basically, joining of two atoms creates a lot of heat. From the heat, they will boil water, turn it to steam, and run steam through a turbine, and there's your electricity generation. And that'll be fantastic. If they can it will be that. fantastic, yeah. So when we continue to see the rift in our culture between left and right, when we see this violence, and it is just naked violence, where just awful things are happening out there in the street, and when we see great breakthroughs, uh, in science, all these things are predicted in the Bible and tell us, hey, look up, look east, Jesus is coming soon. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. This is Ernie Hassan's signature sound, and they're singing a great song, My Heavenly Father Watches Over Me. Mm-hmm. 
Signature sound. Do you know that song, Hunty? I was tapping my foot to that one. What a ripper. That is a good song. We played it a few times. Hope you're listening, Lil. It's for you. No, she won't like that. Ah, she better. Lil's one of our list. No, she won't. <laughs> she, it's, you know why? What's that? It's a hymn. <laughs> that is a beautiful old hymn. Uh, I think we've sung it once or twice at New Hope, my church. Somewhere, somehow, I had never heard that song until a few months ago. And it's a beautiful song because we're living in this world which is so unsafe, so unsure, so much trouble, so much challenge, so much trial, so much darkness. And yet, you know what? If you have Jesus and he's in your heart, then your heavenly Father will watch over you. Mm. 
Hunter, you have something you want to say? I want to say to our listeners, if you would like to get your questions in for one of my favourite segments, Ask the Aussie Pastor, then now's your chance. You can send them to us one of two ways. You can text us or you can email us. And the SMS text number is 0488-880-851. And the email address is theaussiepastor at gmail.com. So send us your questions. Have we got room? Yeah, we do. We have. Absolutely. So we'd love to have a question. We would love to have your questions. Hey, the Sabbath. Mm. You always been a Sabbath man, Hunty? I have always been a Sabbath keeper. I was brought up in a in a Christian home that kept the Sabbath. We're Seventh day Adventists. Yep. What that means is we are Sabbath keepers, Sabbath celebrators. Yep. We believe in the seventh day Sabbath. Pretty weird thing in this world. Because the vast majority of the Christian churches at least don't celebrate Worship on Sabbath. Mm. And so I have been watching for my entire life because my great-grandfather was an Adventist pastor. My father was an Adventist pastor. I'm an Adventist pastor. You know my great-grandfather, I've spoken about this before, he was a sawdust trail Adventist mm. pastor. You know what they are, honey? I do. Go from town to town. Yeah. Preaching from the Bible. What they do is they, back in the old days, these are long before TV, it'd work. Mm. You'd go into a town, set a tent up, yep. okay? Put sawdust, sawdust this is what they call yep. sawdust trail passing. Yep. Put sawdust on the floor, set the seats out, set a stage up. Did they have sound systems back then, Hunty? Uh, back before in the 1900s? 20s and 30s? No, no, no. No, no, He's not that old. No, not in the 20s. They would have been yelling. So when they did their music with the organ and that, that would be an old pump organ. That would be a pump, pump organ with some air, yep. So they just go in, get the old pump organ going. They'd be singing hymns like that. You know what? In that town, when he would go in and set that tent up, there wouldn't be a Sabbath-keeping presence in that town. Not an Adventist church, nothing. Yep. By the way, the Adventist church aren't the only ones that keep the Seventh-day Sabbath. There are others. Worldwide Church of God, well, some of them do. Seventh-day Baptists. Seventh-day Baptists, they do. So mm. there, are, there are a number of different, well, hundreds actually of different denominations. But the big one is the guys we belong to, the Adventist church. So he'd go in. Now, when he would preach the Sabbath, and I learnt from him, not that I ever heard him preach, but he would introduce the Sabbath pretty early. And you know what he would do? I do. It's a great story, this. What would he offer? He would stand up to the entire crowd and ask if anyone could prove from the Bible that the Sabbath was Sunday and not Sabbath on Saturday. He actually would offer a $1,000. Which back then was a house. Yeah. For anybody who could show him the Sabbath would change from Saturday to Sunday. So that has been a really pretty much down the hallway Adventist approach. Are you going to offer $1,000 today? No. No. No, because it's a waste of time because the text isn't there. True. And I don't want to go that direction because that's been the way we've done it. I mean, I have done it. I've gone and preached in public programs about the Sabbath. Just I did it recently, Hunty. So this is how I go. Sabbath is found in Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 to 3, and I'll read it. Yep. Then you can go on 2,000 years, a bit after, 3 Three and a half thousand years. Exodus 28 to 11, the Sabbath is still there. See, I know it off by heart. Luke yeah. 4, 16, another 1,000 plus 2,000 years. Jesus kept the Sabbath. So you got the Sabbath at creation, you got the Sabbath at the Exodus, you got the, which is when Israel mm-hmm. kind of left Egypt. you got the Sabbath with Jesus. Then I go to Acts, Acts 17, Acts 18. It's right through the book of Acts, where the early Christian church kept the seventh-day Sabbath. So my point is I'm preaching this, is I'm saying, look, the Sabbath has always been creation, you get it, hunting? I do. 
creation, Exodus, Jesus, early Christian church. Then I'll show you some texts in the Bible that says the Sabbath will be still be keeping. Well, we know the Bible's very clear. The Bible says Sabbath will be still being kept at the end of time. And then I'll go right into heaven, Isaiah mm-hmm. 66, 22 and 23, which says the Sabbath will be kept in heaven, in eternity. Nice. And so I'll say, there it is, Sabbath, Sabbath, Sabbath. Oh, why don't you make a decision to keep the Sabbath? That's not a bad way of doing it. And I'll continue to do it at times because I think it's good to show that the Bible, if you're going to get into the Bible, mm, the right Sabbath. But there's something more to it. Now, this family you're about to listen to, they're called the Kirklands. They come from the United States of America, and here's the bombshell for today they are not Seventh day Adventists. They're actually involved, aren't they, in a Sunday church? They sure are. Mm. And very heavily involved. They uh, they sing, and they have a vlog. And is that what you call it when, you, when it's yep, on video YouTube? log blog? Is, is that a vlog? It's a vlog on, on or a blog? Yep. Um, they have. Do you, know, do you know how many kids they have? How many? Oh yeah, six boys. Six boys. <laughs> <laughs> could you? Could you? Hey, you know what? Poor the poor uh, mum. Uh, she uh, probably uh, kept on trying for that little girl. <laughs> I'm, I'm wandering off here, but I haven't been the father of boys until I married Liska, and now I've got two stepsons. Mm. So I don't know boys. Mm. I had two girls, and I know girls really well. I'm going right off. Can I go off track for sure? Sure, I had two of each. Yeah. <laughs> I'll join you. <laughs> <laughs> so so here I am, the father of two girls. I'm doing. I'm on an exercise program. Do you know how many laps I walked in the pool yesterday? How many? 120. Whoa. It would take a while. When, when I, yeah, it did. When I came home and I checked my... Um, Blood pressure had gone, in the last few weeks it's gone from, what was it, 170 or something? Yeah. Down to, yesterday it was 116. Uh, that's not, that's within the realms of good. It's good. Mm. Praise the Lord. When I was doing my laps in the pool, this is how I mean I know girls, this little girl walks in, in she would have been three years old with her mum, and her sister or brother or something, I can't remember, was going to, a mu- uh, to, to swimming lessons, you know. And she had on one of these, this is what I mean, I know little girls. Yeah. Um, I've two beautiful little daughters myself. And I, it, 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 I miss these days, Auntie. Yeah. She's wearing a fairy dress. Yep. And she wanted for, I could tell because I know what they're like. She wanted someone to see her in a fairy dress. And, you know, you're in the pool. <laughs> no one's looking at her. And as I'm walking flat out, she looks over at me and I gave her this big smile. And she's beautiful little girl. Yep. And she saw me. And she knew that I saw her and thought she was That's beautiful. what she needed. Yep. She did. And it was yep. just fantastic. Uh, if you're a father of daughters, you're the most blessed of men. Amen. Uh, you're one of them. you got I two got girls. i got two, two girls, yeah. And two boys. And two boys. Yeah. you got an interesting life. i got two girls and, and two the difference boys. between them is just staggering. Yeah. I, I, even though I was brought up in a family of four boys, I reckon that if I ended up uh, with two boys all of a sudden, you know, or a boy... As a baby, I, I'd be in for some rude shocks, wouldn't I? Because <laughs> apparently they're quite different to bring up, boys from girls. Very much so. Yeah. yeah. We should look at that one day, get someone on who can tell us about it. Anyway, these guys have six sons. They live on a farm. They are they're kind of into organic, growing organic food and all this. They're really healthy. Mm-hmm. They yep. sing beautifully. And on their vlog, they, this, is, this is what they say. We just want to encourage and inspire you on your journey with Jesus. Well, guess what? They just discovered the Seventh-day Sabbath. Mm. Not Adventism, 
the seven-day Sabbath. So you've got to understand the Sabbath doesn't, because we're the biggest Sabbath-keeping church in the world, a lot of people think, oh, the Sabbath belongs to the seventh-day. No, it does. It does no. not belong to the seventh-day church. does not belongs to the human race. It is this fantastic, marvellous gift that God is offering the human race. Never has it been more relevant, and we're going to find out why today, than right now. This is their testimony about the Sabbath. Remember, these aren't Seventh-day Adventists. Yep. This is their testimony about the Sabbath and what it means to them and why they're keeping it. I hope you enjoy this. Listen carefully. It is so refreshing. In case we're just meeting for the first time, we're the Kirkland family. We have six boys. We're renovating a 100-year-old farmhouse in the mountains of western North Carolina. We have a home-based recording studio where we write and record the music of Sounds Like Rain. We run two YouTube channels. We homeschool our boys. And we just started a soap business. So we have a lot going on around here, don't we, Lindsay? Yeah, just listening to that sounds like a lot. And it makes me tired just thinking about it. Yes. Because we have so much going on, it's become more important for us to take our Sabbath rest this year. And that's something that we are learning about and beginning to practice and implement in our own family. We haven't really done a lot of rest in the past, have we? We've gotten really good at working hard. And we've gotten a lot accomplished in a lot of years that we've been as a family. But I believe the Lord now is wanting us to learn more how to rest. And especially rest in Him. That's right. Because Jesus really is truly our rest. It's always been important for us to rest. We've just never done that. It's just been like full on, all the time, go, go, go. Some people are better at resting than others in the family, but... (laughs) (laughs) So we have to to be intentional and make it happen. That's right. So when we say the word Sabbath or talk about Sabbath rest, it probably means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And we're still on a journey of exploring and learning and... Um, unraveling the mystery of Sabbath in our own family. So we're on a journey with you and we're just going to share where we're at currently. We really want to get closer to the heart of God and dig into the scriptures and learn uh, what He intends for us and to yield ourselves to that. But we're not dogmatic about any of this. We just uh, want to be a blessing to you as you consider Sabbath rest for your own family. So the boys are going to read some scriptures about what Sabbath means, and then we'll unpack that for you a little bit before we reveal the finished Master Bedroom Project. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is within them. And on the seventh day he ended his work which he had done and he rested on the seventh day because his work was done then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all of his work which God had created and made remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy six days you shall labor and do all your work but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God in it you shall do no work. Now it happened that he went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. And as they went, his disciples began to pluck the heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to him, Look, why do they do what is not lawful on the Sabbath? But he said to them, Remember, the Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. As Jesus went into the synagogue, behold, there was a man who had a withered hand. 
And the Pharisees asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Then Jesus said to them, What man is there among you who has a sheep, and if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not lay hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value, then, is a man than a sheep? Therefore it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. So let no one judge you in food or drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are the shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. So in the Old Testament we learn that God created the Sabbath in the beginning and even He rested. And God wants us to honor Him by honoring the Sabbath. It's sort of like taking a nap. If you want to bless your parents, when they tell you to lay down and rest, you'll go get some sleep because it's actually good for you and it shows them that you care for them. Jesus, our King and High Priest, showed us three things. One, that the Sabbath is important but not more important than our love for one another. Two, that the Sabbath was made for us, but God gave it as a blessing to us. And the third thing is, is we learn that it is a good thing to do good on the Sabbath day. Finally, the Apostle Paul teaches us that we are not to judge anyone else based on the Sabbath. And he reminds us that the whole point of the Sabbath is to point us toward Christ, our true rest. We have really benefited from taking a rest each week, haven't we, Lindsay? Yes, and we have. What's that look like for our family this past season? And what, is, what do we want it to look like as we move forward? Well, most recently we have been resting on Saturday and just taking that day to physically rest, to mentally rest, and just be uh, refreshed in the Lord. And, um, yeah, that we need that. We need that. And especially with hard work, all these hardworking projects, I think it's been really good. And I suppose you could rest on any day of the week. We just feel that Saturday is the original Sabbath, and it feels like a good day to rest for us because Sunday for us, uh, being in ministry at our local church congregation, is a very busy uh, day of service in our fellowship, and we're very blessed by that. But sometimes it feels like a lot of work. So we don't really get any rest on Sunday, even though for a lot of people it's supposed to be a day of rest. So we rest on Saturday instead, at least at this point, and that's been a blessing for our family. Again, we're not dogmatic about this, and we do realize that many of you will probably be completely unsatisfied and disappointed with our approach and our answers. Either we are uh, too Sabbathy or not Sabbathy enough, and we apologize if we don't meet your, your standards and your expectations. We're just doing the best we can with where we're at right now, and we hope that you'll be blessed by that. Is that a, is that a weird thing to say? We're just sharing our journey. I think we made it abundantly clear. Yeah. So you don't need to apologize. Okay. Yeah. We won't. How good's that? <laughs> That's really good. I find that incredibly refreshing. Mm, me too. In fact, it's so refreshing, I think I want to take it to my church to a bunch of Sabbath keepers and let them listen to it. That's a great idea. Because it's a different approach. Now, I've been onto this in my own life for a while, but the Sabbath... It's not about the law. It's not about the commandments. It's not about the end of time. It's not about a decision, oh, you're going to follow God or not. It's about you and Jesus and rest. That's why Jesus said, I am the Lord. We're going to look at this in a moment. He said, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. And more than that, he said, it was made for you. The Sabbath was not made for man. 
you, the Sabbath, no, sorry, I got that all mixed <laughs> up. You are not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for you. Correct. It's not about legalism. It's about Jesus and you. And when you're with Jesus, you get rest. Mm-hmm. Rest. And they have discovered that by themselves. Rest. And it's beautiful and it's pure and it's very precious. And I'll listen to that. i watch that on YouTube. And you can watch that on YouTube, just if you're interested. Um, their YouTube page is called Tiny Notes from Home. Uh, the Kirkland family. You can go there and you can watch that and you can see it for yourself. If this was Television Hunty, I'd say put the link up there, mate, so they mm, can go through mm. and look at it. I wouldn't mind somehow trying to get a hold of them, to be honest, and do an interview because that was such a beautiful little testimony. Yeah, we can do that. Yep, next year now. Mm-hmm. That's such a beautiful testimony about what Jesus, um, what Jesus and you can experience together on the Sabbath. And when you don't have the Sabbath, that's the whole thing. You're missing out. And what Jesus and you can have together. It's a little bit like this, Hunty. When you fell in love with Jackie, well, I've heard a few stories about <laughs> you and Jackie falling in love, and it was a it was a fairly hot affair. Uh, you guys fell in love hard and fast, and you were good for each other, mm. and you've been good for each other for years. Mm, 20 plus. 20 plus years. Mm. And you are a good couple. When you first fell in love, did you know you got that hot romantic feeling that you have when you fall hard? You want to spend time with her? Of course. Did you go out of your way to spend time with her? Of course. Did you make dates and spend time with her? Oh, endless. Because you're in love. Mm. Kind of like that with Jesus and the Sabbath. Only you don't make the date, hunty. He did. He makes the date the Sabbath. I like that bit where, he, where, where they say, and I don't, we don't judge other people. Mm, that's nice. If they're not Sabbath yeah. keepers. Yeah. Um, and yeah. we, Hunty and I don't judge you either. But we are telling you, and we're putting it out there, that this day is very special. It's a gift really, isn't it? Yeah, it is. A gift of Jesus, of mm. God's time. Mm. You put away, you know, me, I'm into sport a little bit. I enjoyed watching England go out of the World Cup <laughs> this week. I've got in a bit of trouble on Facebook about that from the English. They don't like it. They started to threaten me. Did they? Yeah, about the upcoming Ashes. Soccer hooligans. The Ashes series. Oh, the Ashes. Yeah. Bring it on. The, the cricket. That's I like, say bring it on. Bring it on, boys. We're yes, ready for you. We are. Um, but um, uh, how do I get into that? Yeah, me and, me and my sport or yes. my work or whatever, when I can get to the Sabbath and stop... And I'm going to share a bit more about this in a minute. It's beautiful. Hey, Hunty, I can tell you just busted well, up. No, I got a text from a good mate of ours, David Eddy from WA. Did you know, Lloyd, that he has six kids? Yes, I did. You did? Big shout out to you, Dave. Yeah, shout out to you, Dave. Good on you, mate. No one listens more faithfully, more loyally, and more often than David. And can I give a plug for our Ask Josie Pastor segment again? Yeah, why not? Lovely. Have you got any questions yet? Um, I could use a couple more. Okay. Actually, one just came in. That's nice. Um, thank you, Rachel. All right. So, if you'd like to send your questions on any topic you like, send yeah. them to 0488-880-851, or you can email them to us, theaussiepastor at gmail.com. Yeah. We would love to answer them. We We've would. got at least seven in at the moment. Is that right? Um, yeah. I'll have to no, count six. Up. Yeah, I'm yeah. looking at the screen. That's how I've seen it anyway. <laughs> cool. Hey, this next song, Hunty, before we get into it, um, it's not an easy road. Have I got the right one? Yeah, you dice. The reason I'm shocked is because I didn't, but I do now. <laughs> uh, okay. Now, um, 
You know these guys who sing in this, don't you? In fact, you went and recorded. You, I have some, worked with these guys, yeah. Uh, what are they called? Very Melashenkos. Really talented musicians. This is Steve Bolt and the Melashenkos. Well, this, this might be Christ Ambassadors, similar as... No, 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 no. This is uh, when they all get together. You know, right. you went to Alaska. What's that called? Reunion. Uh, family Reunion. Family yeah. Reunion. No, this Good is times. Family Reunion, one of their concerts. For all we know, Hunty may have even mixed this song. You never know. You never know. It's a beautiful song. And it's true. It's not an easy road. That's what the song's called. That's why you need the Sabbath, hunty, because it's not an easy road. Well, it's not an easy road. We are traveling to heaven. For many are the thorns of the way. It's not an easy road. But our Savior is with us And it's His presence that gives us joy every day Sing along
isn't an easy road, there's no doubt about that. But when you've got Jesus and you've got the Sabbath, you're going to get through okay. Um, that is for sure. Mm. I'm going to do a, a little Bible study, and it's just a little Bible study, Hunty, on the Sabbath. Yes. But before we do, you've got a new machine here in the... Oh, I do. Tell us about that. And very thankful for the very kind man who refuses to let me name him, who donated it to us. We now have a UPS. What's that mean? Uninterrupted power supply, which means if the power goes off and we have a storm like we've got before, we won't be knocked off air and all our gear won't well, die. Well, there is a problem with that, though, isn't there? One small problem. <laughs> we've got the power worked out, but we haven't got the internet worked That's out. right. Our, our internet connection flows through a friend's production shed, and if his shed goes down, we lose the link to our so, microwave. So are you going to fix that up before next year? Hey, I think we can do that. Yeah, hmm. somehow, someplace. Yes. Uh, the Sabbath. Bible talks a lot about the Sabbath. It does. I mean, I, I just went for a, for a, for a journey with you before on it. Um, but this is a little um, story about Jesus and the Sabbath, and it pretty much encapsulates Jesus' view of the Sabbath, how he kept the Sabbath, how he celebrated the Sabbath, and how it was so much different than the way the Pharisees of Israel, the Jews, the Hebrews, kept it. Now, one of the things we went, remember, we keep talking about this, Hunty, we went to Israel in 2019. We had the... Good times. Oh, man, we had the most amazing time. I want to go back there. Some of my church members just went over there a few weeks ago. Yeah. They come back, they're telling us all their stories. In fact, one of them's going to be preaching with his wife at our church over the Christmas Chrissy break about what happened over there. That, that'll be honest and Torero. God bless you guys. Nice. And um, amazing thing um, going there. But did you notice how hostile the Jews are still to Jesus Christ? Yeah, I... It's very sad. It's a hostility. Now, not all Jews, because there's a number of Christian Jews who are very faithful and very loyal and serve mm. Jesus. Jews to Jesus. Yeah. Well, not just them. There's mm. others. Mm. Um, and they serve Jesus with as much faithfulness as anyone. Mm. But the vast majority are still hostile to Jesus. And this hostility started back in the time of the Pharisees. There was something about Jesus that really got under their skin yep. and they disliked him. And you know what it was? One of the main reasons? What's that? They were legalists. What's a legalist, Hunty? Yeah, someone who insists on the rules. On the law. On the law. You and me are not legalists. We are not. We're, we're, the, we're, we're the opposite to legalists. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if there's a way around the law, you and I will find it. It's unfortunate, but we try to we try to do the right. I'll never forget when we're up on Fraser Island. We come three quarters of the way of the island and there's a gate and there was a sign up. And we, we've got to remember, we had come from Sydney to go to Fraser Island, Hunty. Yes. And some of the best stuff is really quite north of the island. Yes. And we went to go, go up there and there's this gate and I'll never forget. I'm going to load this on the hunty. There we go. He was so incensed. And if I'd let him, he was ready right then to drive. And when I say I let him, we're on work time. <laughs> he was ready to drive around that gate and keep going. In. And, I, and I said, well, what would you say if the ranger called us? He went, oh, well, what, what do you remember what you said? Kind of shrugged your shoulders and said, oh, I, I wouldn't I just know. almost say sorry to him and go back. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Can't lie about it. Oh, but but so, oh, Sorry, buddy, we'll, we'll leave. So, yes, uh, we're not legalists, but we've come across people who are legalists. I remember in the, one of the first churches I won't name it that I worked in, Hunty, I went to preach a sermon. You remember this story? 
and I didn't have a suit coat on. These are the days where if you were going to preach from the pulpit, you remember when mm, we were young. I remember I was, those days. You had to have a suit coat and a tie. It doesn't mm. matter how hot it is. Mm. Um, I mean, you've been over the islands. And how dare you preach without giving due respect? My dad would work in the islands and he'd go to places and he'd go to preach. It didn't even have his suit coat on him. They'd have one in the wardrobe ready for him to put on. Oh, yeah, at the back. You know? Thick and woolen winter one. One of the problems, I think, of belonging to a church that believes in the law. Do you believe in the law, Hunty? I do. The Ten Commandments? Absolutely. Do I believe in the law? Yes. But one of the problems is you can kind of get out of kilter. Yes. And le- the legal legalities of the law become the reason rather than Jesus. And that's a massive problem. And it happens with the Sabbath. You and I know what I'm talking about here. Where you can grow up Sabbath keepers and it's about, oh, you can or you can't swim on Sabbath or you can or you can't do this or you can or you can't. You know what I'm saying, mate? Yeah, my, my parents' generation, and I love them, but there, there was a lot of feeling when I was a kid growing up in the church that the law was what saved you. I don't think they ever said that, did they? That was implied, and it made well whether they said it or implied it, whether I felt it. Growing up, I felt if I broke the law here, there, I was going to be, you know, blocked from heaven. So the whole grace thing became clearer to me in my later teens when I realised that the law is there because we need to have law, but we aren't saved by that. No, we're not saved by the law. Is the law important? Yes, yeah, of course it is. Of course, is it still in void today? Well, yeah, it is. If I were to go into your house and steal your Jeep, and I'll, there'd be a lot of things I'd steal. I, I wouldn't want to steal your Jeep, Cherokee, mate. You can have a hard time stealing it now from my house. Yeah, no. It's, Cause it's on a hoist. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't want a Jeep. I wouldn't steal the Jeep Cherokee. Che- Jeep Cherokee. Grand uh, Cherokee. Grand Is it Grand Jeep Cherokee? It's a Jeep Grand Cherokee. It's slightly above the Jeep that Honest drives to church, which is just a Jeep Cherokee. Honest is our mate. He's our mate, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to preach and just say our listeners know. <laughs> Great name, Honest, by it the is, way. It is. Um, but they get caught in this legalism, man. And the Jews were caught in this legalism. So here's what they used to do on the Sabbath. And we saw it when we were in Israel. Remember we got in that lift? Mm-hmm. I remember. Tell us about that. Can you remember? I can. Oh, I can remember. And, and I experienced it here in Australia. But they have gotten their laws so complicated and so involved that... This, the is, pushing, a sab- this is a Sabbath law in Israel yeah, today the, right now. The pushing of an elevator button would be breaking the Sabbath thing because it's working. So the elevators in the hotel from Friday night... To Saturday night, a program to stop at every floor so you can get in without pushing a button. I found that incredible. Mm. Um, and, and, and that is an abuse of the Sabbath. Especially when you realise how much electricity it uses to go to floors that no one wants to go to. Does that, does that use more electricity? Well, if you it? want to go from the first floor to the tenth floor, oh, and just, it goes via all of the nine floors, it uses ten times more electricity. Yeah, yeah, I just found it a bit exasperating. And elevators take a lot of power. I just found it a bit exasperating on Sabbath trying to get from our floor down to the ground floor. It wasn't an easy gig. I worked in hospitality for a while, and I will never forget walking into a room with a very devout rule-keeping person who said to me, oh, it's dark in here. I said, yeah, it is. You should put the light on. And then I realised they can't turn the light on because that would be breaking the Sabbath. So you won't turn the light on. Of course. Yeah. I think Jesus... So you've got to remember, Jesus walks... When he's on the earth 2,000 years ago, he walked straight into this environment. Now, who gave the law? Uh, the law of Moses, God's law? Yeah. Mm. Who gave it? Well, the Ten Commandments, straight from God. From who? Jesus. Mm. Jesus actually wrote and gave the Ten Commandments to Moses. 
They're from, so if anyone knows how the Ten Commandments are to be kept, how we're to celebrate the Sabbath, it was Jesus. Yep. You with me? I am. Now watch this. Verse 23. What chapter are we in? We're in Mark chapter 2. Verse mm. 23. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples began breaking off heads of grain to eat. But the Pharisee said to Jesus, Look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Okay, so here you've got a problem. Yeah. And Jesus comes up against this all the time. His disciples, are they harvesting hunting? Harvesting barely. They're just grabbing a couple of things to eat. Now, I, I, I grew up in a place called Dolby, which is in the middle of the South Queensland wheat belt. I can tell you right now, that's a fairly uh, not nice meal. But they're hungry. So they're walking through this grain field, and all they do, you know, have you ever been in the grain field hunting? You just rub your hands together, the wheat falls off in your hands, and they're eating it. Mm. Because why? They're hungry. The Pharisees see them. These Pharisees are legalism, legalists. They're the teachers. They're, 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 they're the pastors. Um, they're the religious leaders of Israel. They see this happening, and they have a go at Jesus and accuse the disciples mm. Of harvesting on the Working Sabbath. Working on the Sabbath. It's ridiculous. Yep. The accusation is ridiculous. But Jesus is very wise. And he rarely takes them head on. So what does he do here? Jesus said to them, Haven't you ever read the scriptures? What David did when he and his companions were hungry. Do you know this story? I do. Yeah. He went into the house of God during the days when... Abitha yep. was high priest and broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests were allowed to eat. He also gave some to his companions. Okay, now here's a question, Hunty. Yeah. Can I put it on you? Would you rather I not? Hit me. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> you ready to go? Go. What's Jesus saying here? Why does he bring this story up? It's a simple little story. David and his followers were trying to escape Saul, who was then the king, David's father-in-law, who spent his whole life, seems, trying to kill him. So they're, they're escaping. They come, they come um, to a, to, to the, not, not, not the home, but a little temple. They walk in. They take the sacred bread, which is against the law, and mm-hmm. they eat it, and mm-hmm. then they keep going. Mm. So, so what's the big deal? What's, why does Jesus bring this story? I'm going to walk back my keenness to answer this so I don't want to confuse our listeners. No, 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 no. I want you to have a go. <laughs> have you got any idea on that? Well, because, yeah, he's basically saying... That, that, that to me seems almost irrelevant to what... The, the Pharisees are accusing Jesus and his disciples of harvesting grain on the Sabbath. Then Jesus says, hey, remember David, that dude? Mm. He goes in, the, he later becomes the greatest king of Israel ever. He goes in to the Lord's house yep. and literally takes yep. some bread. Sacred loaves they, of bread. Sacred loaves of bread that mm. they're using in worship to God that was not according to the law to be used for anything else, and they eat it and then they take off. So why is that story there? Mm. Bear in mind, just for our listeners, no, we don't talk about this before we... No, we don't. Well, he was basically... Uh, and I don't want to... Have a punt. Uh, yeah, I don't have too much of a punt here, but he's basically saying, hey, you donkeys... What's important here? I don't know that Jesus would call anyone that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. I was he bugging it down. <laughs> yeah, what do you on. think? What do you think? Go? Yeah, well, he's, he's basically saying, why? I'm, I'm trying to... My kids used to ask me about um, truth and lies and stealing and all sorts. And I said to them one day, I said, hey, 
let's say you're a parent and you've got two little kids and they're starving hungry and you have no money and you go steal a loaf of bread, are you allowed to steal a loaf of bread or not? No. No. I'm trying to. (laughs) No, you're not. (laughs) You can't steal. But what happens to the law? I think he's just saying, look, you guys think David's fabulous. Yeah, okay. Great king. Yep. Greatest king in the history of Israel. But he didn't let the law get in the way of the practical applications of life. Does that make sense what I'm saying? They were hungry. Mm. Make till my donkeys they, come in. They were hung <laughs> They were hungry. They went in, they had some bread. It was against the spirit of the law, but in the context of what they were doing, to take the law that far was ridiculous. It wasn't how the law was designed. Mm. That bread was designed, just so so our listeners know, to symbolize the body of Christ. But they were hungry, they were trying to escape, they were in a desperate place. They ate the bread not to dishonour God, mm. who reads hearts and minds, mm. because they were desperately hungry and they were trying to escape an evil king who was trying to murder them. Yep. Here's the disciples, they're not trying to break the Sabbath, they're not harvesting a crop on the Sabbath, they're just putting a little bit of grain in their hands so they can have something to eat. Mm. Does this make sense? It does. You guys have the law, this is what Jesus is saying, you have the law... You have people serving the law rather than the law serving people. Mm. Does that make sense, or yeah. am I still a bit? No, no, no. And it's back to that very, that very um, first verse, verse twenty-three, where Jesus said, "Are they harvesting or just getting something to eat?" I think that was another test where the, where the Pharisees walked Jesus past the donkey in a hole, and they said, "Can we pull him out? Would that be working?" Do you remember that? Yeah. The whole time Jesus was wandering around in the Middle East. The Pharisees were trying to trip him up. And they're using the law to do it. Yeah. And Jesus is basically saying, hey, the law is there to serve you, not you to serve the Lord. Law. You serve Jesus. You're to serve God, mm. not the law. So you'd be practical with the law. Yep. And he, he brings this home in verse 27, 28. Then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. And what are the needs of people? So what is the Sabbath made? If the Sabbath is made to meet the needs of people, what is the needs of people? Well, he knew that on three levels, physically and biologically, we need a break once a week. So he knew that. Love it. Number two, he knows we need to commune with Jesus and God. We need to spend time with our Creator and the the man, not the man, um, the God that we love. Um, And thirdly... Uh, to replenish our spiritual souls. Well, that's number one. So number one and number mm. three are the same. same. Rest. <laughs> Love that. Rest. No, physical soul and spiritual soul, they both need replenishing. Yeah. We, we do need physical rest. Yeah, and, we do. And we need spiritual rest. And you get spiritual rest by being with Jesus. Work for a month without a physical break and you'll realise you need to stop occasionally. Yeah. It's an amazing thing when you go to church. We, mm. In our church, we have, it's not a Sunday school, it's called a Sabbath school, but it's like a Sunday school where you go, we sit down, we have these really invigorating Bible studies, and they're real goers. They're really hot. Then we go to mm. church, and we have worship, we have music, we have singing, we have prayer, we have, we give. Um, yeah, unapologetically, we, we mm. give. Mm. And we also um, have preaching and teaching. A really vibrant time, and you walk out of that experience at church on a Sabbath, and you feel revitalized. 
And then you can go and have a sleep, hunty. There's nothing wrong with a bit of a sleep and a physical rest on Sabbath. Mm-hmm. You can do it. My dad and mum used to do to us. I've said this many times. They take us down the beach. We'd be in God's creation. We'd yep. be around in those rock pools looking at octopuses. We found a little shark in there once. Mm. Just these amazing experiences. So the Sabbath for me was a really, really happy time. It was a time of refreshment. It was a time of rest. I'm lucky that I was not brought up in a, a family that used to talk about that all the time, Hunty. I'm going to verse 28, Hunty, so don't disappear up there. <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> you can't see what I can see, but Hunty's moving on. He's got to read verse 28 yet. Sorry. And so the Sabbath was a special time with Jesus and my family and me. So when I wandered from Jesus, one of the things that brought me back to him was remembering these beautiful Sabbath days. And that's what it's all about. Verse 28, Hunty. So the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. Don't you love it? I do. That's a little insight into how Jesus saw the Sabbath. And when the disciples were eating the grain, they weren't taken away from the sanctity, the holiness, or the law of the Sabbath. They were just experiencing Sabbath how you're supposed to. Mm. With Jesus. Mm. They're with Jesus. You get that? I do. With Jesus. And people say to me in closing, oh, what do you do on the Sabbath? Well, simple. If what you're doing is with Jesus, draws you close to him, helps you see him more clearly, if it's with Jesus, do it. If it's not, don't. Mm. How simple is that, Humpty? Simple. It's about with Jesus. So I hope you get a little bit about that beautiful, and I think uh, very powerful little story about Jesus and the Sabbath. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. This is a song about the Sabbath from a young woman from the Philippines called Queenie Matthias. And she's a beautiful singer, and I think you'll enjoy it.
Nice song. Yeah, very nice. It's a new song, actually. I haven't heard that too much. Uh, well, Hunty, um, if you wanted to experience a Sabbath at our church, you could turn up this Sabbath. We'd love I'm, to see you. I'm preaching, actually. And I can tell you what I'm... It's called God's Wild Man. Ooh. And he was a wild man. And he was God's man. I tell you what, he exploded onto the scene and blew the whole country up. And I mean that in a figurative <laughs> way, but it was fabulous, mate. How, how do you get to our church, Hunter? It's real easy off Quaker Seal Parkway and Quaker Seal number two, Samuel Place, just behind the Aldi or the BP. It's the Life Anglican Church. Can't miss it. And if you can't get to us, look a church up and go. Yep. You'll never be sorry. For sure. Church on Sabbath. Fantastic. Hey, Hunty. Uh, yes. We've got Harold. Is he with us today? Or have you been able to No, we've got him. Yep. You there, Harold? Hi there, Linus. Good to be back with you. Yeah. Now, you're a Sabbath keeper too. Is that correct? That's right. And it's a great blessing. Have a time of rest and be closer to God. How long have you been uh, celebrating the Sabbath? Well, I was born into a Sabbath-keeping family, but I had to make the choice myself oh. that I would do that, and I've made that choice. So how many generation are you Sabbath-keeper? Um, what, your dad, your grandparents? My dad and my granddad. So you're third generation? That's right. I think uh, I'm fourth generation. I'm one more. Yeah. Okay. You're doing well. Yeah. yeah. Jan Ziska. I'd never heard of him. Until you brought him, (laughs) he's he's a he's a great warrior. He's uh, not perfect, but he was really some figure in history. There's no doubt about that. Tell us where was he born and what king uh, kind of family did he grow up in? Okay, well, he was born in Bohemia, which we'd call that today a part of Czechoslovakia or the Czech Republic. Is now different from the Slovak. It would have been Bohemia went across that part of Europe in the little village of Troknov, and he was born into an aristocratic family, so that was a very well-to-do, a high, uh, high person, and he would have been well-educated because of that. Okay, okay, so he was well-educated, fairly wealthy family, do you think we could say that? Aristocratic, yeah, he'd be like one of the lords, his yeah. father, yeah. So he was well-educated? Yes, he was, and because of that, he was asked to serve as a page in the royal court. What was his nickname? Well, it was One-Eyed Ziska, because through some accident, he'd lost the sight of one eye, and so he was One-Eyed Ziska, and he was known, that was his nickname, as he grew up. Now, you said he was sent to the royal court. Would that have been the royal court of uh, Bohemia, I'm, I'm guessing? Yes. As, yeah, a, as, a pa- as a page, so he was really training to be a, a courtier, is that correct? That's right, and this is the middle of the 14th century. So in, in some ways that was a privilege because he would have been well-clothed, well-fed, well-looked after. That's right, and you could enjoy life. But he didn't like it. No, because in the court they were too frivolous. They were absorbed absorbed in all the stupid things rather than the serious things, and he said, I can't stand this. So they're into the gossip and the innuendo and all the politics, and he couldn't stand it. So what? where did he go? What did he do? Well, he asked for permission. Could he join the army? And he was given that privilege, and so he joined the army at that time. Now, we don't know a lot about this part of his life. Is that correct? 
That's right. But because we first know that in the army he fought in a battle in 1410, he would have been 50 years old then. That's right. Um, but whoever taught him in the army, he became a great warrior. So whatever happened in that time where we don't know a whole lot, he was trained to be one of the greatest warriors perhaps Europe had ever seen in his time. Well, he uh, he certainly was trained that way and he used that knowledge when he had supporters later on. He became uh, virtually a general of the Hittites, the uh, John Hustas, the Huttites group. Okay, so in 1410 he goes to Babel. Um, who and what did he embrace in Bohemia at the well, time? Well, as he came back to Bohemia, he fought in that group when there were uh, Catholic knights trying to impose Catholic religion. They, they were the Teutonic he, Knights, weren't they? That's right, yeah. They were a group of knights and, who for some time had been roving around Europe trying to enforce Catholicism on Europe. Is, am I correct? That's correct. And he well, goes, after he, that battle... He goes, to war, he, he goes to war against them. He's, he's on the, the side that wins, and then what happens? Well, he goes back to home, and when he gets back to Bohemia, he takes up the teachings that John Huss had brought from the Bible. He said they're mine, and he accepted them really wholeheartedly. So he becomes a Protestant? He does. Very Uh, much so. Okay. The Council of Constance, can you just tell us very quickly what that was? Well, it was a Council of Constance was called for a couple of things. One, there were three popes saying we're pope at the time, and yeah. they wanted to only have one. Yeah. And the other thing, they wanted to knock um, uh, off the John Huss and get rid of him at that time. And so they called this council in the city of Constance in 1418. Now, they actually did manage to knock John Huss and his sidekick Jerome off. They did. They ended up getting burnt at the stake. What did Ziska do as all this is unfolding? What did he decide? Well, Ziska, when he was there, and a number of other supporters of Huss, they agreed to offer their support to the King of Bohemia, which is now in Czech area of Prague, yep. and they say, we'll support you with our military might. Was, he, was the king, and his name was Wenceslas, did I say that right? Yeah, we, we often talk about good King Wenceslas yep. when we talk about Christmas. So that this is the same king? Yeah, same guy. Was he leaning toward Protestantism? Not, not really. He wasn't. Uh, well, he was a little bit. And if you go to the castle up in uh, Prague, you can find his grave and stuff there where he was at that time. But, you know, while he was, he soon passed off the scene. He died. Do we know why Ziska... Do we know... Just before we go to the next part of the story, do, do we know why Ziska decided to support this guy, this king? Yeah, because he wasn't supporting the Catholic group. Ah, simple as that. He was a Protestant, you see, yeah. Okay, so that what happens? He dies and then his son comes to the throne. Well, Sigismund becomes the, the emperor of the time, and he's violently opposed to John Huss and all his followers. He wanted the Catholic religion to be the religion of his realm. So how did Jan Ziska, this burgeoning general warrior, how did he respond to that? 
Well, he and his supporters then say, okay, we'll declare war on the king, the pope, and they conquered one fortress that belonged to them of Pilsen, which is a town in Czech Republic. So during this time, they conquered this fortress. Were they successful in a number of battles? They sure were, because then they go for the and they get the capital city of uh, Prague, and they get him there, and they get that there, and they, without any fight, they just walk in and they've got it. So, so they're, they're a great threat at this time to Rome itself. No, sure. I don't mean to Rome the city, but to the Church of Rome right through Europe, because here you've got this burgeoning rebellion that doesn't seem to be able to be stopped. Well, you know, at one stage, Ziska, in these fights against the emperor, he even takes a thousand prisoners. Can you imagine that? Yeah, which in those days was a lot of men. Um, it sure was. He developed some very special military tactics. Tell us about that. Well, a lot of his supporters were farmers, mm. and they didn't have too many big arms, they formed what they call a formation of tanks. It was wagons fortified with slits for archers and crossbows and hand cannons, and they sort of had these big, uh, uh, they made these wagons, and they hid behind them, and they would push those forward, and they beat the enemy that way. Yeah, <laughs> maybe the first tank battle in history. <laughs> yeah, that's, right. that's what I was thinking about when I was looking at those tactics of his. <laughs> what happened in this great battle in 1420 that he fought? Well, he, the first pitched battle of the Hussite Wars mm. in 1420, but this guy, uh, he never lost a battle. No. And in 14, it was the first pitched battle, and the very next year... This one-eyed guy yep. gets an arrow in his other eye mm. and loses all sight. He now can't see. And don't forget, at this stage, he would have been 61 years of age. So he's moving on. He's completely blind. That's right. So he is it true that he led his army into battle in 1422 and he was blind? He, yes, he did. Sigismund, the emperor, now he gets 15,000 armed horsemen and 25,000 foot soldiers, and Ziska is carried on a wagon, and those around him would tell him what's happening, and he right even though he was blind. Who and wins the that army's met. Yep, go on. The armies met in that 1422 at Kremnitz, and the Hussite army, led by this blind guy, Ziska, defeats this massive army of Sigismund and causes them to retreat, get out of the way. So here it is again, evidence. This guy, there's not many in history, like Alexander the Great, just never lost a battle. He was, just went That's from right. victory to victory to victory. Even when he was blind, he's leading the armies of Protestantism, the Hussite armies, into battle against Catholicism, and he's winning. Um, That's right. But he'd had enough of war, is that correct? Yeah, well, he came, he came back. Once Sigismund all his some, and some of his soldiers, they tried to gallop across the Tosin River, mm. and the river, the ice gave way, and many of them were drowned. And so this is the winner, and he says, okay, the thing to do now, teach the people 
and he gets into the area that John Huss was. Yep. No prayers for the dead because that's not in the Bible. Yep. Don't worship images. Yep. And the special feast days that the church said, they're not in the Bible either. Yep. And so he really becomes a pastor, a, a soldier becoming a pastor. So he beats his swords into plowshares and decides to well, preach. Well, li- literally anyway. Preach the gospel. Did he ever look for peace after all these victories with Rome? Well, he actually had a couple more battles with Sigismund, mm-hmm. and so in the end, Sigismund had had enough of war, and he said, peace, let's have some peace. So it was Sigismund, it was the king who was looking for peace, not so much um, Ziska. That's right. So Ziska, yep, Sigismund, he yep. decides to travel to thrash out a peace deal, is that right? That's right. He said, okay, we'll come out and we'll have peace. And he was going on the way to this castle where they were going to have the peace talks. But he got plague on the way, which was a big thing right across Europe in those days. And he died on that way to the peace talks. Do we know how old he was? Yeah, he would have been 64, three years after he lost his second eye. And back then, that that would have been a, a grand old age. Is that correct? It was. So he lived, he lived actually to be an old man, and he didn't die in battle. No, well, no, he didn't. He won every battle. So you've got a man here who's a, who's a warrior, but he's also a pastor, and he's yep. trying to share Jesus, and he's trying to share the gospel, and he's doing it both militarily. He defends his people, and he's a wonderful pastor. Um, what strange request, and I thought this was very strange, did he make on his death? Well, he knew he was dying, so what he does, he asks for his skin to be taken off his body and made into drums so it would still beat the march into battle and the Hussite forces, the Protestants, would win with his skin being on the drums. Hunty, uh, if they did that to you, it would be a big bass drum, mate. be a couple of tempenies, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Do we know whether they actually ever did that or was that just a... Uh, just, uh, I don't know. They asked. He asked for it anyway. Yeah, but yeah. That was shows his commitment to the cause. Yeah, yeah. Must have been an amazing man. How how is he remembered in Eastern Europe today? Well, in Prague, the area there's Vitkov Hill, yep. and there's a massive, massive statue of this guy on a horse, uh, and it's nine meters high. That's massive. It's the third largest bronze statue in the world. And there's also another monument of him. If you go out to Tabor, which was the town east of Prague, where he had a lot of battles and won, and so there's a monument there. So he's known. Here is the monumental victory general, and they still commemorate him. He's seen as a patriot, I guess. You're right. Um, what do you think his legacy is today? I mean, this is a story that's over 600 years or some 600 years old. What's his legacy? Well, we mightn't want to fight as he did, hmm. but he was being uh, squeezed out when they were trying to make the whole world Catholic there, and he says, let's follow the Bible. And while he fought for his freedom, then produced the beliefs from the Bible and upheld Jesus. I was just thinking about it, you know, you get these guys who were warriors. Uh, Zwingli was another one in the Protestant Reformation. They actually went into battle. Um, And then you get these others like the Anabaptists who are quite the opposite, correct? 
Yep. Do you think there's a tie between? Remember, is there a tie between these two groups, or, or do you think they're completely different in their approach to the Reformation and the Gospel? And is there one group that's more right than the other? No, it's a bit different. But that, you've got to remember that it was do this or you lose your life anyway. Yeah. Do you, do you think, personally, do you like Ziska's approach or do you like the Anabaptist approach? What do you think, personally? Well, I guess I'm more a pacifist. I'd rather go for Anabaptist, but then they suffered more because of it. Yeah, okay. They come from a different world than us, didn't they? They lived in a totally different world to, to us today. Yeah. We need to keep our peace, keep our freedom, and the freedom comes with the Bible. I think in the end, I suppose, the one thing that tied these two great groups together, I'm talking the Anabaptists and, and Ziska and the rest of them, is their love of Jesus, the Gospel, right. and the Bible. That's it. Thank you, Harold, for another fantastic story. We're going to be, you're going to come around one more time? Yeah, I'll be with you next week. Okay. It's, it's a, we're going to have a special Christmas program next week, so we look forward to that. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for joining us today, and God bless. All the best. Bye. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Okay, Hunty. Mm, enjoy that story? Yes. Yeah? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I did too. Uh, this next song, Greater Vision. It's one of my favourites too, mate. I can never praise him enough. I think you'll enjoy this. Praise him enough for the cross of Calvary. I can never thank him enough for salvation full and free. I can never do anything to deserve such perfect love. Oh, I've served the Lord the best that I know how Giving unto Him my time Telling of His power But if I were to spend unending hours on my knees Praising Him for everything He's ever done for me I could never praise Him enough Salvation full and free I could never do anything To deserve such perfect love Oh, for everything He's done I could never praise Him enough A thousand tongues could never tell Just what our Lord has done as if he hadn't done enough, he sent his only son to hang upon a rugged cross and bear the load of sin. That explains why I can't express the love I have for him. I could never praise him enough for the cross of Calvary. I could never thank Salvation full and free I can never do anything 
beautiful song. Absolutely. Really like that song. Hey, Hunty, is it too late to get a question in for oh, us? It's, it's getting pretty late now. <laughs> but you know what? If you'd like to send us a question, send it in because we'll don't get to it today. We'll get to it next week. Yeah, okay. Okay, so the number is zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one and the email is theaussiepastor at gmail dot com. All right, let's hit it. First question, you ready? Yeah, I am ready. Okay, this is from Rachel. Okay. Um recently I've been experiencing what I call post Sabbath blues. Sabbath is a wonderful Jesus filled day and I love it. But on Sunday I felt a bit flat, a bit lonely and often emotional. I try to stay close to Jesus when I feel like this. Is there something I'm overlooking? Any practical advice on keeping that Sabbath feeling through the rest of the week? Thanks. Lloyd. And Hunty. Um, I've not seen a question like that. It's a great question. Um, I keeping think, that Sabbath feeling. I think it's normal to come down off the mountain Yep, on the Sabbath and feel, I don't want to use the word down on the Sunday, but when you've been with Jesus, um, you've been with other believers, and you've been fellowshipping, it certainly is a mountaintop experience a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. You can't stay up on the mountain all the time. Sometimes you've got to come down into the valley. And maybe on Sunday you're coming down into the um, to the valley, and it's not a bad thing. Jesus is there in the valley, and he's on the mountain. Um, I, don't, I don't think you're doing anything wrong. I, I think the Sabbath's just a high. Maybe that's a natural reaction. Maybe um, on Sunday, I kind of like Sunday myself, <laughs> because it's the only day you and me get off. That's right. So I'm trying to relate to this question. I, I personally, um, well, I do a lot of driving, as you know, in our job we travel a bit. I actually like to blast my Christian music. And talk to the Lord in prayer. And blast, when I'm, blast, probably. Whilst I'm not, not the best term, but blast. <laughs> I have my Christian songs at top level. <laughs> That's why he's going deaf. deaf. <laughs> that and the fact that he did too are much rock talking, and roll. Are you, talk, are you talking about Sunday? I'm talking about every day between Sabbaths. When I'm in my car, I've got my music on, and I'm still I, feeling a bit of fellowship with the Lord. Yeah, I think it's important to continue your fellowship with the Lord, which is Bible study, prayer, and if you want to, a bit of music. Um, yeah, but allow yourself to go through the ups and downs Indeed. of life a bit and don't struggle to always sh- try and stay up on that mountain. It's okay to go down into the valley. It's okay to be down a bit at times. Um, Maybe join a midweek prayer meeting. We've got one on Wednesday night at our church. We're talking particularly on, Sab- uh, on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, true, true, yeah, so, true. Yeah, probably haven't given a great answer there except to... You know, praise God you're having such a high time on Sabbath and when you come down, keep walking with God and don't expect too much out of yourself. You don't have to be on that high up there all the time. Look, if I haven't got that right, who sent that in? Uh, Rachel. If I haven't got that right, Rachel, follow up with another question so I can be a bit clearer. Mm, Good plan. All right, next question. If the Sabbath is such a big deal, why isn't it anywhere in the New Testament of the Bible? Ah, well, whoever wrote that's not reading, <laughs> not reading the New Testament, the Testament no. Because I can take you to Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the book of Acts. I can take you to the book of Revelation and a number of books of Paul. In fact, I didn't have this question straight up, Hunty, but I'm going to... I think Jesus even himself says he's in the Lord's house on the Lord's day. How many times? Let's have a quick look on my computer here. Google away. I've got already. How many times is the Sabbath mentioned in the New Testament? 
Um, what does it say? Well, it doesn't say. No. <laughs> it's a, in fact, I can do another one, Hunty. I could do a search here on my computer under my Bible Gateway. How's that? Yep. New Testament Sabbath, and we could see how many times. Uh, look, it's everywhere in the New Testament. That's the bottom line. So I'm not sure why that question was put in there, Hunty, who sent that, but it doesn't, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I'm your question sensor. Yeah, the, the, the question, the, the Sabbath is everywhere. And, and while Hunty's reading the next one out, I'm yes. going to go looking for it a bit. Well, this is, this is a very good question. Um, are you saying you must keep the Sabbath to go to heaven? Am I saying that? Yeah, is Sabbath keeping an essential to be saved? No. I get into trouble from a lot of Adventists out there. Um, by, the t- <coughs> by the way, the Sabbath is mentioned 55 times in the New Testament, and it's mentioned 92 times, 147 times in the Bible. So it's okay. not exactly a, a, you know, a subject that's not there. So the idea that Sabbath's not in the New Testament is not true. Okay. Uh, do you have to keep the Sabbath to get to heaven? No, you need to know Jesus. You need to have an experience with Jesus. You need to be born again. Will the Sabbath be part of that experience? At some time, Jesus will call you to it. I've got no doubt about that. But it's not the Sabbath that decides whether you go to heaven or not, or whether you keep it or not. And you don't misunderstand me here. It's not the Sabbath. It's whether you've got a relationship with Jesus. Perhaps the better question would be, if I have a relationship with Jesus, will I keep the Sabbath? Well, at some stage or another, in my experience, watching the way Jesus works with the truth, he will call you to it. That's right. True. He'll do it in his time, in his way, in his season. In other words, when he's ready. So that's why I think we shouldn't judge people on the Sabbath. Mm. Uh, we need to let God do this. But if you're convicted on it, move. Because it's it's not one of these testing doctrines, oh, oh I've got to do that. It's, it's this wonderful thing, as we keep saying, Hunty, where you're with Jesus. It is beautiful. I mean, if I'm going to offer you 24 hours with Jesus, aren't you going to grab it? If you're a follower, if you're a believer, if you want to be a Christian, of course, why do we fight? It makes no sense. Mm. Fighting being with Jesus on the Sabbath is like you fighting being with Jackie when you fall in love with her. That's ridiculous. I'll give you an example. Hunty was to go down and pick all our new equipment up in the car. I said, oh, will I go with you? What did you say? Heck no. Why not? Because I'm taking my wife. Exactly right. Why? Because she'd rather spend time. Because we love spending time together. He'd rather spend time with her than me. Of course he would. I'm kind of glad of that too, auntie. That's how it is with Jesus. So if you're convicted on the Sabbath, if you've seen the Sabbath, if you've seen the Sabbath in the Bible, if you've done a study on it, I mean, go and do a word study on it. A hundred, what what, what did I say? 59 times in the New Testament alone. 147 Mm. times in the NLT. Yep. The Bible is mentioned. Am I in the NLT here? Yeah, NLT. 147 times it's mentioned in the Bible. Go and do a word study on it. If you're convicted, if you've seen the Bible show you and the Holy Spirit's in your saying do it, well, go out and try a Sabbath with Jesus. Mm. Does that make sense, Hunty? It does. It really does. So it's in the New Testament. You better, you better believe it is. Yes. <laughs> all right, this next question is a massive question, and I get asked this all the time by my Protestant Christian friends. Wasn't the law done away at the cross? Uh, my friends use that to get rid of all kinds of things out of the Bible they don't want to comply with. There is with. a problem in Christianity with that one because I say the law is done away at the cross. Well, 
if I go and steal your television, was the law done away with at the cross? If I go and mm. steal your wife, no. was the law done away with at the cross? If I lie to you, was the law done away with at the cross? Seems to me that the law is done away with at the cross only on one commandment and one alone. The mm. Sabbath. Mm. That's the only one that people are interested in, the law being done away with. Well, that makes no sense. Because the Sabbath is about Jesus and you. What do you want to do away with? What do you do away with it for? No, the law hasn't been done away with. The condemnation of the law was done away with at the cross. And what that means, Hunty, is when you sin before the cross, there was no forgiveness. Well, we know there was in expectation of Jesus on the cross. But you know what I mean. Technically, there was no forgiveness uh, without the cross. There can be no forgiveness without the cross. That's not technical. That's fact. And so the condemnation, in other words, uh, uh, for all have sinned and all will perish, all will die, should die for eternity, that doesn't happen when you invite Jesus into your cross, into your life. Does that make sense, Hunty? So yeah. the law hasn't been done away with. The condemnation of the law has been done away with. So the law's still there, but if you accidentally or you do break it and you come to Christ and you ask for forgiveness, he covers with your blood, covers you with his blood, you're not going to be in any way, anyhow, you're not going to suffer eternal death. Does that make sense, mate? It does. I hope so. It does. I like the first part of your answer, especially. Was the the commandments of killing and stealing and lying done away with at the cross? That put that brings it home for me. Well, the law's there. All Ten Commandments still matter. I mean, the entire Western culture is based on the Ten Commandments of God that yep. Jesus gave yep. Moses at Mount Sinai. There's no doubt That's about it. That's our laws here it's in one Australia. One of the things that makes Western culture great is it's based on the law of God. Why would you want to do away thou shalt not kill, thou mm. shalt not lie, thou mm. shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not covet? What do you want to do away with those sin? What, what with those laws that define what sin is? Of course you don't want to. Uh, so it wasn't done away with, but the condemnation, this is really important, I'm going to say it again, Hunty. You know, I've flown around and I'm coming back in to land. The condemnation, are you with me? I'm with you. I want to see that light in your eyes. It's there. <laughs> the condemnation, what is the condemnation of the law? If you sin, you die. That's the condemnation of the law. Yep. If you sin, you die. That's done away wages with. wages of sin is death. The wages of, thank you. The wages of sin is death. Good, good, good text. That's, that, the idea that you're going to die if you break the law, that's done away with if you have Jesus. Grace. Yeah. Mm. So the condemnation's done away. That makes sense. That's great. It's a great answer. Yeah, it's a very important question. Okay. Mm. All right. What do you do on the Sabbath? Me. (laughs) We've we've both got a very different Sabbath to most. Uh, Friday night, we bring in the Sabbath with a little worship. Lizzie and me and Manny, there are three Sabbath keepers in our house out of four. Not too bad, hunty. Um, we bring in the Sabbath, we eat together, which we rarely do on a Sabbath evening. Or during the week. And we don't eat together much at all. So Friday night's the night you get together yeah. around the table? Yeah, it is. Yep. Because everyone's everywhere. You, you've got, uh, i got one girl at university, she lives up there most of the time, but um, i got another guy who works, um, boy at school, still year 10, going into year 11. I wish he was going into year 12. <laughs> and my wife working in her own little business flat out, and I'm all over the place. Um, Friday night we get together, we eat. Nice. We have worship first, and then we eat. And Liska cooks something special. I think you used to do the same with your kids. Yeah, I used to. Um, I used to do a, a, a two or three hour block ban on the internet. I'd turn it off, 
So sunset Friday night, there was no communication inside my house. Um, I used to burn a bit of incense just to sort of give the house a bit of a different smell. I don't like incense. Just, uh, just to make it feel like a different time. Don't like it. Um, <laughs> don't like the smell. And I would, also, I would also cook a special meal and... Normally, I'd let my kids eat you all over cook, the house. You, you would cook it too, wouldn't of course. you? I'd normally let my kids eat all over the house. Your bedroom, out in the garage, eat where you like. But but Friday night, we're all eating together. And so, yeah. we're very similar. And then come Sabbath morning, um, to this day, I get up at about 6, go through if I've got to preach my sermon, spend some time with the Lord and prayer. Always do that before I go into battle to preach. Then I go to church. I get there at about 8.30. Hunty's got a whole lot of problems to share with me every week, so I listen to him for about an hour and a half. And then um, we get into what's called Sabbath school, like Sunday school, which is Bible studies, where we get into groups around the church of about 10 to 20, and we really go at it. Yeah, good times. They are. Mm. And then we go into church service, which is a lot more singing. Um, yep, worship and praise. Yep. And then we Bible go. study. We usually have at our church a fellowship lunch. So we eat and we fellowship, and that's fantastic. That's probably one of the most powerful things we do at New Hope. We have a fellowship lunch this week. I think we are. We are. We are. And mm. then Sabbath afternoon I'll go home. And this is the truth. Um, sometimes I'll go out to someone's place for lunch and you spend the whole afternoon into the evening there, you know. Yep. But often I'll, and the fellowship's beautiful. Sometimes I'll go home a lot of the time and I'll just jump into bed and have a sleep for about an hour, two hours. People laugh at me for that, but it's about rest. I wake up refreshed and then the Sabbath's going out. So that's... That's it. That's the Sabbath. It's beautiful. It's special. It's precious. And the most important thing is it's always with Jesus. All right. We've got less than a minute left for this segment. Oh, okay. Last question then. How seriously do SDAs take Christmas? Adventists. Seventh-day Adventists. SDA Adventists, yep. Ah, with a grain of salt. We're not against it. We're not overly for it. Um, Good time of the year to think about well, I said to you earlier that the only time I think secular Aussies think mm. about Jesus is Easter and Christmas. True. I grew up in a family that has a Christmas tree that has presents around the tree. I've got to go out on a limited budget and buy everyone a present <laughs> this year. <laughs> on Christmas Day, which is a Sunday this year, we'll have a, a great big feast together and all the family will be there. Actually, my Lizzie's going to... She's going across to Jakarta this Christmas. First time I've been apart from her in many, many years. But her dad's very, very... Mm. Sick, and so she's got to go and see him. But yeah, no. So how seriously do we take it? Look, not as seriously as, as a lot of other Protestant, and certainly the Catholic Church does. We don't think Jesus, and I think most scholars would agree, Jesus wasn't born on Christmas Day, hunty. No, probably born in September. Yep, somewhere around the summer. But it's a great thing. It's a great celebration. So enjoy it. Think about Jesus, love Jesus, uh, enjoy Jesus over the Christmas season. If you've got family, enjoy family and have a good time. Uh, that's how we see Christmas. There you go, Hunter. All right, that's this, it. Next, this next song, it's about ah, Jesus. Ah, it is. Jesus is still the answer. And if this Christmas, if you can come to that conclusion, it'll be a good Christmas. This is a Collingsworth family.
His love you cannot feel But I know He's real within my soul For one day He cleansed and made me whole And Jesus is still the answer
is still the answer. Mm. And you'll find him on the Sabbath. It's a beautiful thing. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for being with us today. Bless us now as we finish this program together. Only one more, Lord, and Christmas. We love you. May every person listening to this experience you, Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath, is my prayer in your name. Amen. Amen. My name's Lloyd Grolleman, and I'm the Aussie pastor. And my name's Hunty, and I'm the tech, and we love you. But God, he loves you so much more. See See you next next time. Thanks for joining the Aussie Pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, always to support us, go to findjesus.tv. 